Welcome to Mouthing Off with Olivia. Hey guys, it's Olivia Caridi from The Bachelor, the girl with probably the biggest mouth you've ever seen. But now I'm using my huge mouth to talk really smart things with my favorite reality stars, influencers, YouTubers, you name it. They're going to mouth off too. Damn. This is Mouthing Off with Olivia. All right, everybody. I've got Jamie Otis, who we knew as Jamie Otis from The Bachelor, but now she's Hainer because of Married at First Sight. Hi! Hi! We're going to start with Jamie Otis, Bachelor, and then we will get to Married Life, okay? Sounds good. So, one of my first questions I always ask is, how did you get cast on Ben Flanick's season of The Bachelor? So, I was a baby. I was like 22 years old and I saw, I never watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Of course, everybody, I mean, you have to be living under a rock not to know what The Bachelor is. So I was in Boston and my roommate was obsessed. It was Ali Fedotowski's Bachelorette season. Okay. And she was explaining to me like how the show works. She was like, oh, so this girl gets to choose between all these guys and she's like, each week she kind of like dwindles it down. And I was like, what? This is like, I'm like, this is amazing. And then the commercial comes on, like, if you want to date the next bachelor or bachelorette, and literally it was just like that. I mean, so if you out there listening, if you want to be, if you want to date the next bachelor or bachelorette, go to that site because I just sent, I, my, my, one of my really good friends said, Jamie, you should apply for it. Like, yeah. why don't you try it? And I was like, oh, I will. And that's it. Like, I just sent in this random picture and like, filled out a couple questions and then they called me like six months later. Were you at a point where you wanted to get married or how was your dating life? Honestly, I did, was not expecting to get married or something from the show. I was hoping for like love because okay. I'm just so, I'm so naive, <laughs> but yeah. like I was so naive. I'm not anymore, but um, yeah, I was really hoping for love. I definitely wasn't looking for like, you know, a serious like marriage immediately, mm-hmm. but I was just, I had just graduated college, you know, and I had also had wow. custody of my siblings at the time. And right. we lived like in this like little tiny trailer. So I, w- I never really knew about hometown dates. That's the part I didn't, I wasn't aware of until I was cast on the show. And I was like, Oh crap, I have to bring to my trailer. <laughs> the show would have gone for that. Honestly. Well, I'm probably, you know, I was always like, why did they pick me? Like, sometimes I, I don't know. Like, I was very, very insecure. And I yeah. don't, I mean, most women that are on that show are gorgeous. And they're, you know, they come from great families. They seem to be very wealthy. You know, they, you know, you see hometown dates and these homes are like mansions with like all, you know, I was like, oh, how am I here? Like, I, my hometown would be in a trailer in a trailer park with a, like no parents and my two siblings that are like hanging out with me. I just, mm-hmm. I'm like, how am I here? But then, you know, fast forward to now and I'm like, oh, maybe they thought that would be an interesting story to share. (laughs) I have a feeling that was probably what it was. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking. Can you talk a little bit about your upbringing and what your childhood was like? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in central New York. So about four hours from Manhattan Mm -hmm. and my mom I feel like she just, you know, I've, I've gone through a long process of like healing when it comes to her because she made a lot of very selfish decisions, you know, having, she has five kids and, but, uh, and like we, and she ends up like leaving us for, you know, drugs and guys and Mm. like really just truly neglecting us and abandoning, abandoning us. And I always like kind of was very bitter towards her mm-hmm. uh, for a very long time. But now that I'm a mom myself and after going through nursing school, I just realized that my mom is a woman who went through a tremendous amount of you know abuse, really, like yeah. just as, like to put it like, frankly, she was sexually abused. She mm-hmm. was mentally abused. And so 
I feel like someone like that, if you're not going to recover well, if you don't have therapy in your life, if you don't have a strong support system. And so my mom never really recovered. She ended up, you know, being with men who didn't really truly love her or respect her. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't, I am, I'm on the search for like my father right now. I've never known my father my whole life. And my stepdad was literally in and out of jail all the time for beating the snot out of my mom. I mean, he would beat her to a bloody pulp like all the time, choke her Mm. out, like put a gun to her head. I mean, this is the crap my mom had to deal with. So fast forward to a couple years later and she turned and she's become a full blown drug addict and completely abandons us. To me, I'm just a kid. I don't know that like, yeah, I don't think about the fact that my mom has been through so much before this. And so I, you know, like I've learned to be a little bit more softer towards my mom, you know, I mean, she still made like, cause my sister, my siblings will be like, yeah, well, she put us through hell and felt like we're doing this to other people. Like, Mm -hmm. it's still not okay. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But I don't know. Like, at least we have each other. My mom had no one. So, so long story short, it was, it was, it was a kind of bit of a hellish upbringing, not going to lie. It made me the woman I am today. And I'm so thankful that, you know, my siblings and I, we were able to stay together. We never had to go to foster care. And so we kind of just like, you know, I was a freshman in college when I gained custody of them. And we just figured it out and we're stronger today because of it. And I'm so thankful for nursing school because yeah. it, like I said, it really kind of opened my mind to see, you know, that my mom's not just a crazy selfish psycho. Like she went through a crap ton of stuff herself and just didn't know how to cope. Where are you guys at now relationship wise? You know, honestly, I kind of try to keep her at like an arm's length away just so that because she is very selfish and drugs really do mess up your brain, like unfortunately. And so She's not, I don't want to say she's very selfish because she's also in the same exact breath. Like the woman would take her shirt off her back for you, for anybody. It doesn't even matter. She doesn't even know you probably, probably for you more than me because I'm a family. Like she like loves pleasing people. She doesn't know. And I'm like, Hey, she really means well. And I know that, but at the same time, like my heart's hurt, of course, you know, from like different things that she's done. And so I think for me, for us to have a healthy relationship, it's best to keep it kind of, you know, a little bit like at a distance. I live mm-hmm. in New Jersey now with my husband and she's in New York still. So okay. that makes it a bit easier. Um, mm-hmm. And also she kind of comes in and out of, I have a lot of nieces and nephews and she kind of comes in and out of their lives. And it's one thing to do that to us now that we're adults, but now I have a daughter and I'm like, I don't want my daughter to be excited for her grandma to come to her birthday party. And then her grandma never shows up. So that's like something my husband and I kind of had to talk about. And I was like, you know, I, of course, if my mom wants to be part of her life, great. I would love that. But I don't want my daughter to start expecting that and then being let down. Like I will, I will kill. Like, don't you dare mess with my kid. How did that childhood affect your dating choices in the future? It wasn't good at all because I, at first I started, I I knew I never wanted to date men like my mom had dated. Mm. I knew for sure. I was like, I'm not going to be treated like that. Like I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm not going to deal with that. Turns out that, you know, like the reason why they call it a vicious cycle is because it's just that it's a vicious cycle. It's Mm -hmm. hard to get out of. It's all, you know, so inevitably I ended up with guys who are very possessive and jealous and controlling. Mm. And fortunately, I mean, to me, it was like, if he didn't punch me in the eye or like choke me out, then I was like, oh, he loves me. But there's another side, you know, of like mm. jealousy and ways to to be like mentally uh, and physically abusive. Like, I mean, I was locked in the bathroom. He wouldn't let me out of the bathroom. I mean, there's there stories. We got stories, but like, we don't even go there. But there was different ways to have you know, I was just a girl and I didn't know this then, but like, swear to God, nursing school was like the best thing that ever happened to me because it taught me 
okay, just because someone's not punching you in the eye does not mean they're not abusing you. Like you can't, mm. this, he is not allowed to lock you in a bathroom. He is not allowed to like lock you in your car or like hunt, like follow you at school while you're trying to study. That's like insane. these are crazy things that I, yeah. I mean, this one boyfriend broke into my house and like, literally I had, I had just put a chain lock on my bedroom door because I was, cause he had broken in before. And so I was like, if he breaks in again, and I swear to God, I was sitting on the toilet with my you know, pants down because I'm peeing and I hear the door rattling and I'm like, I know my sisters are at school. So I was like, okay, if mm-hmm. they're at school, it has to be him. And I literally didn't even pull my pants up. I didn't wipe. I bolted it and just got the chain just in time. And he's like reaching through the door, like, just talk to me, talk to me. I love you. And I'm like, I called 911 because I was like, he's effing psycho. Oh and my so, gosh. yeah, crazy. So I didn't pick the <laughs> best guys. Yeah. Fair enough to say. Um, and so when I kind of realized that I was like, I went like a hundred percent the other way, like all or nothing kind of thing. Like I was like, Oh, the first red flag, I'm not letting another guy into my car. Like, so the first red flag, like I would be like, Oh, nope, you're no good. I can't date you. So Mm -hmm. I just, I really sucked at dating, like quite frankly. And in the midst of that, you know, then I go on the bachelor. Did you tell this story to production during casting? I was really, really embarrassed about me, about my whole life, about everything. I, didn't I mean they I had no choice but to say why my siblings live with me of course I mean you don't get to hide that but because they come you know the hometown package like before you even go out to shoot they came and filmed and so of course I shared that and um but I didn't share like a lot of things because I was just very ashamed really I was very embarrassed about a lot of things and so I would keep it very very private and secret I only shared my story with one girl while I was on The Bachelor and that was prompted by producers, of course. Um, but I just didn't feel, I was just so ashamed that I tried like to put on a pretty face and like pretend like I was that beautiful girl with a nice yeah. family back at home, which is so silly. I know that now that I'm, you know, it's almost 10 years now. So, um, but yeah, I didn't really share an awful lot because I was mm-hmm. so, so embarrassed about just all of it. It's very, I mean, no one yeah. who lives in a, trailer park you know is and I should have been proud and and honestly I wish that I was proud because I was in the midst of breaking the cycle I just didn't even know it and so like I feel like to anyone listening if you're on the journey right now and you know you're struggling girl you just be proud of yourself in the midst of it because I wish in hindsight that I had been proud I mean I was working as a waitress I was going to school full-time I was cheerleading because I was a cheerleader and taking care of my siblings all the while like trying to like cook dinner and I mean so if you're in the struggle girl whether no I don't know what your struggle is but whatever your struggle is if you're in it like be proud of yourself in the midst of it I wish I had been you know what was your first impression of Ben first impression of Ben was not like I definitely wasn't necessarily attracted to him I'm not Mm -hmm. into like that kind of long hair, stringy hair kind of guy. I know some people yeah. are. Yeah, it's a little stringy. He was a nice, a nice enough guy, first impression, but I instantly knew that, like, the guy, we're probably going to have nothing in common. I don't know. I just, like, I could... And honestly, that's a shame because maybe that was... That was just, like, my insecurity talking. Yeah. But either way, I really wasn't that attracted to him. But when you... You know what it's like when yeah. you're there. And, like, he's, like he has to like the bachelor. I don't care what he looks like or where mm-hmm. he's from. Like he is a saint and he's Prince oh, Charming. He's the best and, man you'll ever get. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And you have to win his love and his affection. And so I was in that, that mind frame almost. You said in your book, a 
couple times, which we will talk about your book, Wifey 101, but I just want to bring a couple parts. Yeah. So you you talked about how you felt like really insecure with the girls and, and you said you had zero friends, which surprises me because you're so sweet. Like, did you get oh. in your head or something? Or Oh, 100%. And that's the thing too that I, I almost like, I like to share the, the raw truth of it now because mm-hmm. like almost for like anybody else stuck in that situation because I probably, if I would have went into it, A, just for like, I wish I went there for quote unquote all the wrong reasons yes. or whatever. <laughs> what <because> everyone does now. <laughs> Yeah, like at least I would have had fun. Right. Like, I was so <laughs> serious about trying to fall in love and I wanted to be friends with the girls like big time, but I felt like they wouldn't like me, which is also so silly. It's just like right. insecurity is the worst. It is it will like chew you up and spit you out. Yep. And honestly, it affects no one but yourself. Like anybody else around you, they will like you. And if they don't like you for you, then you don't want them in your life anyways. But um yeah, I mean I did make a good friend with Casey while I was there, I was really good friends with this girl, Casey Steamer. Yeah. But that was really it. Like she was like the one girl I felt like I really could trust. Like this, I mean, I did make kind of make friends, but like this girl Emily O'Brien from my season, yeah. she, I think I don't know. It was really weird. Like she didn't like at the women tell all. All of a sudden, like she kind of like picked on me and stuff. Yep. And I was like, oh well, I, I guess we're not friends then. You also said that you thought that producers kept you around, not Ben. Oh yeah, 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 a hundred percent. So why do you think that was? If you weren't necessarily comfortable to share your story and you weren't easily making friends, why did they want you around? I think they wanted me to share my story. Honestly, like I and, and I honestly think that they may have thought. I don't know. Like I, I not all producers at least in my opinion, not all of them are terrible on that show. Some of them are very manipulative, but they're like, I don't know if you had like Katie Chen. No, we didn't. I don't remember a Katie Chen. No. So she would, I'm still friends with her today. Like she's just, she doesn't work with them anymore. I don't know she, how many seasons she worked after, but, yeah. and there's, you know, there's a couple other girls that I'm like, I don't know, like they, like maybe Claudia, you probably know Claudia. You I don't, don't like think Claudia. I know a Claudia. No, it might've been or a whole a, new you know, crop. Maybe. But anyways, long story short, I think they wanted me to share my story more. They wanted me to open up to him more. And so they thought if, if, if they gave me time, maybe that I would open up more. I don't know. And then you also said that you clashed with Ben a few times and thought yeah. he was rude. So for anyone who hasn't read your excerpt from the book, can you describe that interaction with him? Yeah. So, well, this is what happened. So uh, first impression, I'm not immediately attracted to the man but I'm like I should be I of course I should be like he's got to be amazing and so I'm trying to be attracted to him and then we get to one of the last the this is actually a place that where like I end up leaving but uh or like I'm eliminated I should say um we get there so we're in Panama it's a third world country and there's like kids running around with like just like underwear and Mm -hmm. like no shoes like no clothes no shoes no nothing but underwear you know like running around like barefoot like I don't know like it was just it just brought me back to like my to me right. like my hometown like I'm in trailer parks you know like I just know the struggle of poverty and so when I was there I, I just really wanted to be respectful to them but first of all they opened like their homes which are kind of like they were the nicest huts but they were basically like huts mm-hmm. you know like straw ceilings yeah. they were very nice but mm-hmm. you know it was not like fancy mansions that we're hanging out in and I remember vividly first of all we were like canoeing and it was a it was a you know, a group, a group date. So we were canoeing and he, and it started raining and he was like, I wouldn't expect any of you to love this. You know, you know, I will not be offended if you guys don't like this group date basically because of the rain or something. And I was like, well, that was my first, like, huh? Like, first of all, you're surrounded by beautiful women. 
and you're talking about how you wouldn't be like we should all just be having a good time like no yeah. one's living a hard life right now we're all doing okay like let's not complain but I was like okay you know I don't know and then we get there and we're like putting on these like bikini top thingies and you know just playing with the people like the kids in the village and whatnot and um, I just remember he said it was like t- coming towards the end of the group day and he must have had a rough night. I, I, now I feel like I should be, I don't know why I always feel like in hindsight, maybe I should be more gentle, but truly at the time I was like, this guy is a piece of poo. Like, yeah. because he said in, in the midst of these people and granted they don't speak our language, but he was like, I just can't wait to get back and have a hot shower and like a real meal. Cause we only had like, they had like a cooler with like sandwiches prepared and like drinks and literally any sandwich you would want or any drink, you know how it is. Like yeah, they like, whatever they don't, they need. pull out like all the stops for food there, like in alcohols. And so when he said that, like with them just like running around, I was just like, I literally said to him, I kind of like the sandwiches, actually. I just turned around and, like, walked back. So I was like, we have nothing. We can't even talk. We don't have a con- – we can't even have a conversation. Like, and, and like, I just remember – and this also could just be me being, like, way too – like, paying way too much attention. But I remember he would, like, kind of, like, pull up his, like, suit and show his watch and just be, like, you know. Maybe he's just trying to be cute. I don't know. But I was just turned off by it. And I was like, Ew. we just don't have anything in common. And so then the night in Panama that I end up getting eliminated, they're like, you know, Chris Harrison – comes in you know how he is yeah. you know, he's also very dramatic man's his job but he's like you have to open up like he said this to all the girls but i felt like he was like talking, talking right to you me. yeah like he's like you have to open up i'm the only girl who hasn't kissed him i'm mm-hmm. the only girl who hasn't shared any bit of my real self with him so clearly they're probably like open up or you know you're doomed so i was like oh my god i bet but and, and like the twisted mind of the bachelor because i'm still thinking in my head well i gotta like we got maybe we could be compatible and i got he's gotta like me like why well, i'm still he here like yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, I'm going to seduce him and we're going to kiss. Because I was like, I'm not telling him about my trailer park living. Like, no. I know for <laughs> I know darn well that's not going to work out well. And so it just, you know, if you want to funny, I always say this, if you want to laugh to, to those of you listening, if you want to laugh at my expense, you can just Google Jamie Otis, The Bachelor. And the first thing that will pop up is the kiss. Kissing lesson and then the straddle. Yeah. Where the dress oh, ripped. <laughs> Yeah. What's that like knowing that that video is online and that Honestly, forever? Oh, I could care less now. I genuinely could Good. care less. I've really come like I am like so comfortable in my own skin now. Like obviously it took me a long time to get mm-hmm. here, but I am comfortable in my own skin. If you don't like me for me, you know, I'll love you anyways, okay. but I don't need you in my life. Like seriously. Um, but back in the day, I would be lying if I said I didn't care. I was like, always so red with embarrassment what were you thinking in that moment you're you're jumping on his lap and your dress rips like obviously there's no romantic music going on and when it's happening in real time so like what how awkward was it paint the picture for me okay you know i so the producers were like yeah jamie this is your time this is your night you really got to open up and i was like yeah, okay, you know, I will. And I was like, can I have like a block of soda water? <laughs> I'm not even That's kidding. all you need. And so I had nothing to eat and two doubles of vodka soda water in the midst, like right before that that catastrophe happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm not thinking anything. I'm like, oh, yeah. And like, truthfully, the way he kissed me at first, his mouth was open. He was like, and he's leaning in to kiss me. And so that's how the kissing lesson started. And of course, that part's edited out. You were giving him a lesson because he, he was shitty at kissing you. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. And yeah. I was saying he's a bad kisser because I don't want to be a meanie. But yeah. like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the way he was kissing me. And, and apparently I like got a lot of balls with those two vodka soda waters because I was like, wait a minute. First of all, I've like 
had only slept with probably three men at the time. And so actually it was only three men at the time. So I haven't, I mean, I've made out with maybe like a handful more. So it's not like I'm this experienced kicker, but I'm like, I didn't like the way he was kissing me. And I was like, Oh, we can, and I was just trying to have fun and be lighthearted. And I don't know. I was trying to be seductive, not sexy though. And then you went home and you were lucky. Okay. That's, that's, that was a blessing. If you're someone who takes a multivitamin every morning, listen up. There's some pretty incredible health news out of Europe that's been released about a vitamin. So for the first time ever in government-sponsored cancer research, human patients taking a dietary supplement lived longer than those who didn't. The research showed that this supplement, called tocotrienols, when used with the standard care for recurrent ovarian cancer patients, doubled life expectancy. Additional tocotrienols research Research is showing promise for breast, colon, and lung cancers, as well as lowering bad cholesterol and improving heart health. The bad news, tocotrienols are a unique form of vitamin E, and they're likely not in the supplement that you take right now. If you want to learn more, you can read Dr. Barry Tan's new book, The Truth About Vitamin E. Dr. Barry Tan is the authority on tocotrienols and vitamin E, and if you go to barrytan.com, you can use the promo code Olivia and you'll get a free ebook from American River Nutrition. Go to berrytan.com. That's B A R R I E T A N.com. Promo code Olivia. And the first 25 listeners today will also get a paperback copy. Two random questions. Did you have an idea of who he was going to pick? You know what? I. So funny you should ask that because I literally felt like a fly on the wall there. And I was like, I would like pick girls that I thought were really good for him. I don't know. Were you ever like that? I was like, oh, he was not going to like me, but I like this girl for him. Did you think Courtney was going to win? I knew Courtney. Everybody knew Courtney was a front runner right from the get go. But I didn't really. First things first, I have to say about Courtney. She's the winner. And she was, if people who didn't watch our season, she was like the villain, big time villain on our season. Like she just, she had a, I don't know if you want to say terrible edit or what you would call it, yep. but she just was a hundred percent the villain. And, um, but she was always the front runner. There, there's not a doubt about it. So she had a kind of like a, a, like a, what, a mark on her back. Is that what you say? Like a mark on her back uh, target target on her back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like pretty early on. Okay. So like all the, and like, and she wasn't, and she really wasn't there to make friends. Like she really did like Ben and she really like knew what she yeah. wanted. And so props to her like she wasn't trying to like go around pleasing all the girls she was like I want to get as much time with Ben as I can and I'm not going to hide that Makes sense. so she the girl knew I mean the girl watched Bachelor she knew what she wanted she knew the you know she knew she was into him so she was going full throttle at it and obviously because they end up skinny dipping and like having sex in the ocean and also when you were talking to Ben and she got in the pool in her white swimsuit and you could tell Ben was like Ugh. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Having yeah. a really but, hard time not staring. I can't remember if that, yeah, I think it did happen. I, I just remember some, oh, some of the, there was a little, I don't know if like I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but there, there was definitely a little voiceover. What was it? Like I was, I never said, Courtney ruined my, like I could, honestly, I wasn't even really into him. You seemed like you were just talking to him because you were obligated to talk to him as it was. It wasn't like you yeah, were Yeah, I don't even know what we were talking about. Like I I'm wish sure I, I, I'll, I could pull the clip, but I'm sure it was nothing like nothing revolutionary important. now. Yeah. And if, and so here I am, this insecure young girl, you know, talking about absolutely nothing, I'm sure. And then this model, this oh. gorgeous, you know, seductress without trying kind of woman 
comes and just like frolics in the pool behind us. Uh, Yep, she won. Well, I just had her on the podcast and she has nothing but nice things to say about you. I was just going to say, turns out though, her and I are actually... But we, we, she didn't know who to be friends with, and neither did I while we were there because she had the target on her back, like right from the get go. Right. And it turns out her and I, like, I was never mean, I was never mean to anybody on that oh, show. I didn't, no. at least I didn't think. Um, like, you know, some girls can be mean to each other, but I mm-hmm. wasn't trying to be, I was trying to make them all my friend. Uh, but Courtney and I are better, I mean, I'm better friends with her now than I am with like, I mean, I haven't talked to her in a while, but we have like the same ghostwriter for our for our books, and she actually helped me uh, connect with the ghostwriter. So she's a true girls girl, yep. and had you know gotten nothing out of help like connecting me with our you know with her ghostwriter who did mm-hmm. a phenomenal job. Her book is a New York Times bestselling you know book, and so, so anyways, yeah, um, I have nothing but great things to say about her. I mean, the, gor- the girl's too. gorgeous. She knows like what she wants in life. She goes out and she gets it. And I wish her, I mean, I love her. So I don't really want to talk about Bachelor Pad that much because honestly, uh, but whatever. But you did, you hooked up with Chris Bukowski. He was also hooking up with a couple other girls on the show. This was Bachelor Pad 3, by the way. I mean, his comments were pretty shitty. They were, what did he say? You were desperate. You were a yapper. Yeah, he didn't say that to me. So did you ever get an apology out of him? I'm just, where are you guys now? Oh, no. And as a matter of fact, we we don't talk. Like, there's I really, I don't really have any need to, honestly, I wish that I knew what I know now, like, back then, like, in my 20s. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I, I, first of all, I didn't care too much. I wasn't too much bothered by him because... Like I could tell by the time I left Bachelor Pad, I was like, okay, so I was totally just played this whole time. Like not and, and I was like, what a what a tool bag. Like what a just loser. I'm like so I'm like, I'm just like thanks for you know, thanks for showing me your true colors that fast because at least I didn't waste any time on you. We actually never hooked up. We never I never slept with him. No, I know it looks like we did, but and that's pro- and honestly, that's probably the reason why he, he didn't was end so up mad. Oh a hundred percent because he didn't get what he wanted, the conquest. Yes, that's exactly it. And so, mm. you know, we were like, I thought we had this like cute, flirtatious, secret relationship. And that's how we were like going to be front runners and all this. And turns out he thought he had that with, you know, like we did have that with several other, a couple other girls. And, yeah. and then, you know, when I didn't sleep with them. He was like, okay, she's no longer the one that I want. I'll go to the next one. And yeah. there, but I mean, I have no idea what he's like today. I have no desire to know what he's like today. He might be on Bachelor in Paradise, which is just like. The guy is like a bachelor whore. He's been on like every single bachelor. Go. You got to find a girlfriend outside of there at this point. Yeah. Well, here's what I want to talk about. Okay. Married at first sight. Yay. Yay. <laughs> this is where all the questions, a lot of the questions come in. So let's start okay. with Caitlin Regina said, what made her do married at first sight? And how did the production company pitch the show to you? Because it was season one. Yeah. Good question. And I'm happy that it came now because now that everyone's heard like the background. Right. So obviously I'm no good at dating whatsoever. If you, you know, by now, if you've seen that clip of me in the red you, dress, you know. <laughs> yeah, by now, you know, and uh, we can move forward. Yeah. So I was just really terrible at dating and I got this cold call. I was living in Manhattan. I was working as a labor and delivery nurse at Columbia Presbyterian and mm-hmm. trying to date also like, you know, yeah. Manhattan is like a big city and I don't know, it was hard for me to find genuine guys who like I thought you like I said before like the first red flag like I, if I don't know any red flag I was out also I'm from the small hometown like I said like from like a, you know I lived in a trailer growing up and you know I have a drug addict mom so I don't really and I don't know who my father is so like it's like 
having conversations on the first date inevitably, Mm -hmm. maybe it was because I was trying to skirt around it, but it always seemed like it came to like, where'd you go to college? And I'm like, well, Um, I don't really want to talk about that because I have custody of my siblings in college. And then it's like, oh, what do you, you know, what do your parents do? Where are you from? So I would either like successfully skirt around it and, or like, I would just like, share the truth because I was like, I'm done hiding it. Right. And it, either way, like there was, there was a couple guys that seemed to like me for me, but like one guy yelled at a taxi. I'm not even kidding you. This one guy yelled at a taxi cab driver. And I, that was my red flag. I was like, if you're going to treat him like that. And he did nothing other than like, didn't open the door in time for us or something. I don't know. Nope. I was like, I literally, we got to where we were going and I literally said I didn't feel well. And I didn't, I like, I bailed him, bailed on him and I just didn't ever hang out with him again. Um, but then, you know, there was this other guy that was kind of nice, but he was like very wealthy. I didn't, I never felt comfortable dating wealthy men. Like I always felt like I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And so he was amazing. Very, very nice. He was a nice Jewish man. And, um, uh, yeah, just, I just didn't think it was going to work out. And mm-hmm. so when Married at First Sight called, they were like, yeah, so we're, we're reaching out to people in the tri-state area who are dating but aren't yeah. having any success. And if they want some help from these four different experts, we're planning on analyzing like a group of people in the tri-state area. And we're going to find the, the quote unquote perfect scientific match for them based on all of their algorithms. And not only are they going to find you this perfect match, if they can, they didn't like promise you anything, okay. but they're going to help you throughout the process, this dating process. And I was like, wow. And they're like, was this something you'd be interested in? And I was like, oh, yeah. So no mention of marriage at that point. No, 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 no. Okay. There's no marriage at all. (laughs) So fast forward to final callbacks and you have all four of the experts sitting there plus the production, like everybody from the production company. And they show you the docuseries. Mm. It was done in Denmark first. So they show you the Danish version. And this is like entirely different than The Bachelor. So it's like awkward. You know, it's like not... You should. I don't know if you can YouTube it or not, but if you yeah. watch like season one from Denmark, it's like there's no like it's no fantasy dates. There's no like whimsical fairy tale romance happening. It's like a little awkward, but you can tell they kind of like each other. And it was just like real. It was real like chemistry. And they said, you know, this is what we're trying to do, and you're going to get married, and your wedding day will be March twenty third, two thousand fourteen, uh-huh. which was like I don't know a month away at that point, and. It was crazy. Like, literally half the girls got up. But I was like, I'm not going to be rude. Like, I'm going to sit here and, like, hear it out or whatever. And, um, and yeah. And so then I know that you've chatted with Courtney from my yeah. season yeah. before. And her and I met at final casting. And we ended up, you know, I remember vividly we went to the bathroom. And she's like, are you going to sign it? And I was like, I don't know. Are you? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, me too. <laughs> and so, oh and so that was that. And then we both got a match and kind of like secretly talked to each other. Cause we weren't supposed to know each other. I love her. Yeah. Maybe for people like me who are trying to find the right man, what kinds of questions or maybe analytics or whatever did the experts ask you or go through? What should I be thinking about? Yeah, that's a really good question. I feel like, um, Oh my God. There was like literally hundreds and hundreds of questions. No joke. It was like a real psychological test, but I think some of the prominent questions are like really more self-inflicted. So like, Mm. or like more not self-inflicted, but like self-based. So like find out about you, like get to know you and what you are, be in love with you and who you are. And then like no shames, no, like no qualms about it. Like that's who you are. And if hmm. someone doesn't truly love you for you, and if you can't love you for you, then they're definitely not going to, but if someone right. else can't, then, you know, I feel like they're not your dude then. And that's okay. And like, you'll find someone who will love you for you. 
But I think that as far as the questions, I mean, the questions were something like anything from like, do you think people try to hurt you on purpose? Like these are like psychological, like probably to like lead out crazies. So maybe similar to the bachelor psych test. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So there's definitely like psych, psych, psychological testing going on there. And then some of the other questions are like, uh, are you close with your family? Like just like the the normal, like, are you close with your family? And then you said, hold up, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you my story. Oh, (laughs) and that's the thing is I, this, this time around. So on the bachelor, like I said before, I was like pretty secret, secretive about it. I beat around the bush as much as I possibly could. Obviously I had to like, obviously the producers have no, like they will get anything out of you. So there's, you know, and they were kind of like almost like a therapist to me because I would like ball about like, I was not healed at all from like the mm-hmm. trauma of my childhood when I went on that show. And it was kind of therapeutic. Just, you know how like it is when you sit in, when you're sitting for an interview oh, with yeah. the producers and they just want to hear you talk. And so I just like ball about my, my life. Oh. And they're like, what's wrong with this girl? <laughs> but it feels wonderful to talk about everything. Even yeah, if- it does. But yeah, so I would say, honestly, though, like, this is just my own advice. But like, what I wish I could have told myself back then, it's, you know, what I would tell my siblings and my daughter now is like, just love you, girl. And like, yeah. seriously, someone is going to find that so attractive. And they're going to love you for you too. And if and if you don't have that person, well, then he's coming. He's just not there yet. What did your friends and family think of this concept? So now I, I, I love that you're asking these questions later because usually people ask me these like first things first, like, mm-hmm. holy crap, you got married for sight. What? Like, so now that you know, like the background, like my mom was like, oh, you're going to be a beautiful bride, honey. And, <laughs> you know, just kind of like, I'm like, okay, ma, thanks. And I don't have a dad. So I didn't have to worry about that. And, um, uh, you know, my sibling, like I had custody of my sister. So, and my, mm-hmm. so like they were, like, it was not the norm for them to tell me what's up. Like, I told them, like, I was like, get out of bed, go to school, do your homework. So, like, like take it or leave it. This is how, this is what, you know, this is the name of the game. And so they just, they were kind of like, this is crazy. But I was wow. their big sister who was always kind of like, I guess, been in charge. And so they just kind of said, okay, you know, like, we love you. And, you know, they obviously thought it was a little cray-cray. But, um, but I was like, I think this could be great. And I'm going to give us a shot. And they were like, okay. And, and it was great. Um, Yeah, and it did turn out to be wonderful. So random questions, because I've talked to Courtney and Jason, their wedding rings were just little crappers. Was yours also a little crapper? Uh, Fun fact from season one of Married at First Sight, we all had the same exact wedding band. So you also? (laughs) Yes, all the guys and all the girls. That's hilarious. And then your dress, you got to pick, right? Yeah, I don't know if Courtney told you this. I don't even know if she knew this, but the dresses that we got to choose from were like out of the try-on dresses. So they weren't like new or anything. They were like the ones that people would try on. And so the dress I liked was like 10 sizes too big, but I really liked it. So they're like, oh, a seamstress could alter that. And literally like the seamstress like altered it down to fit me. We literally had two weeks before our wedding. And so she was kind of like, what am I doing? And fun fact, I had her put in like, I have like, a cup like I'm such a small chested okay. girl and I really wanted cleavage I mean this is the first time I'm gonna see this man and I'm like yeah yes yes and so so I had her sew in my Victoria's Secret bombshell under like my strapless bra and didn't get a chance to try it on before because we were we literally had two weeks you know so like the girl just you know sewed it in and my dress wouldn't zip the oh. day of the wedding. No, no joke because I mean, I was just so busty. What can I say? That bombshell bra. Yeah. So I literally had to cut that out and go bra. Like, I mean, I think a lot of women go braless on their wedding day, but like, yeah, no, like I, but I like lost the cleavage and I was really bummed about that. <laughs> it's okay. You still looked so great. Oh, thank so you. So amazing. And you're saying in the two weeks before the wedding, yeah. there was no photo of Doug, no mention no. of him at all. No. 
nothing. I had no idea. Although the, one of the producers slipped up. I'll never say, I'll never reveal her name because you know, it was a complete accident. She would, you know, get like in trouble for this, but she accidentally, name was Doug right before I walked down. She said, when you meet Doug or something like that. And I was like, Doug, Doug? his name's Doug. And she like looked and she was like, don't, you didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. I'm like, I don't like the name Doug. Doug is a weird name. I've never known anybody named Doug. What's Doug? Before we talk about getting down the aisle, there were a couple questions about the matchmaking process that I thought were cool. Um, Kaylee Hyder said, is there anything she would change about the matchmaking process if she were an expert? I don't know. Like the first things first, they've actually changed a lot of things Mm. recently. So on my season, like I said before, we're not allowed to know each other. It's supposed to be some big secret who we're matched with and all this. And now the grooms meet before they meet their wives. So all the grooms will meet before they meet their wives and the wives do too. And I think that is amazing because it's not, it's so scary to do this and then to feel like you're doing it all all by yourself. Yeah. And you have no one in the world to relate to. I mean, that's just like that in itself is a weight of like bricks on your shoulders. So wow. I think that they are, they're actually doing a lot within the show already to improve it. And I'm, I'm and like, like, for example, they honeymoon now together, which sounds crazy. Like who wants to, at first I was like, who wants to honeymoon with other people? But when you don't know your husband, it's kind of nice to have like a little, like, it's nice to have like someone else to kind of like throw the attention off your awkward, like marriage. Well, let me pose the question differently. Sure. CC reader asked, how do you think the show could produce more successful couples? Honestly, I've been saying this to producers in production and anybody who would listen, I would love to kind of mentor them. Um, my husband and, and I, because I feel like, having done it before like literally anybody who's done it before mm-hmm. if someone could go in and chat with them and be like hey listen i get it that it's really scary right now yeah. and that craps hit the fan right now but like i can assure you that if you just like first of all listen to the experts and what they have to say like, i know that that's annoying as an adult to like kind of almost like have homework but you signed up for a, to marry an effing stranger so that's maybe you should crazy. like put a little more trust in them because these people don't sometimes they don't listen to what the experts have to say and i'm like yeah. well they paired you so maybe they know they have to say like if you want this to work maybe do their homework so that's like one thing that i would say and then but also i really think that they would benefit from having someone and i of course i would love to like be able to chat with them and like just men- not necessarily even mentor but like just be like a friend a girl who's been through it yeah and like come through on the other side so it's one thing to have the people in the midst of it going through like going through the ish while you are but then to have someone who's been through it and my, my husband and i've been through it all and we're now we have a beautiful daughter and you know, I'm not saying our, our relationship, I mean, of course there's ups and downs and anything, but I think that's, if I, I feel like what I would have benefited from when I was going through a hard time was someone to be like, Hey, listen, like this is going to happen. Like, it's not a fairy tale now that you just got married. And, but like, if you can get through this hump, then when you get over it, like the, the good times are seriously so much better. And then just I like, try to help them, like whatever the issue is, like see if I could help them somehow. I would love that opportunity. The thing that I kind of giggled at, you're walking down the aisle you're crying and it's clear you're not crying because it's the happiest day of your life. You're crying because right. what the hell am I doing? And you were honest. I mean, it was not love at first sight with Doug, right? No, it wasn't. He, I see him, you know, this man I'm about to marry down the aisle and like he's in his tux and I'm in my wedding dress and my niece like was the flower girl and sprinkled the petals and I'm like, holy crap, this is real. This is crazy. This is a legal marriage to a complete stranger. I was like crapping my pants, yeah. like for real. And the biggest problem was that like I watched that Danish version and I saw that these couples had at least chemistry, you know what I mean? Like it was awkward and weird, but at least I felt like there was like chemistry and you could tell there was a bit of attraction. 
And like, I didn't have that with him. Like I was like expecting that at least, you know, if I wasn't expecting love at first sight, I'm not that kind of girl, but I was like, it's going to be a sweet attraction and awkward, but it's okay. Like we're going to fall in love. And so when I saw him and I really wasn't attracted to him and there was no sparks or chemistry, I was like, Oh no, big mistake. Like this, what was I thinking that this could even work? And I like genuinely had like a panic attack. I need to know what the first night was like. Like, did you have to go in the bathroom and change? Like, I need to know it all. Well, yeah, I did not change in front of him. And he would like, he had a, I mean, I hate to say he had a hot body, but I mean, we're both parents now. So like parent bod over here, but uh, he had like a six pack. He was, he's, I love like a man with arms, like big muscular arms. And he had like real, and he's tall. So I feel like it's tall men. It's hard to get that kind Mm -hmm. of muscle. He was gorgeous and he knew it. He was like, yeah, I got a hot body. All I gotta do is like clunk around a little bit. And if she just takes a look at me with my shirt off, I think she'll like me then. Like I know she'll think I'm attractive. And I just wasn't looking because, again, like, I, I guess I was like, Doug, am I prude? I don't feel like I'm prude. If you can think of the entire Married at First Sight season, like, what was the most yep. difficult part for you? I think, well, the most difficult part was definitely, like, the marriage and the reception. Um, and then bring him home to my trailer where I had mm-hmm. my my siblings. I think that that... I don't know why it really yeah. just brought up a lot of emotions in me. I, like I said, I was living in Manhattan, so I hadn't been home in a long time. Like I wanted to, so when I got this trailer, it was a rent to own kind of thing. Cause I couldn't afford like, a, I had no credit. I had nothing. There was not a chance I could afford any sort of home. And so I wanted to pay that forward. And I knew a young couple that had two little kids and they were like a friend of a friend kind of thing. And they, so I was doing, I was letting them do the whole like rent to own kind of thing or whatever, but they weren't paying. And then they randomly just like ditched the trailer. And this is the same exact time that I'm now getting, you know, that I'm married to this new man and, um, and I'm supposed to go home and like introduce him. So then I go to this trailer and I see that it's like, it's like, it's a wreck. It was, I like, I mean, it was a trailer. And so trailers aren't like, you know, they're not like anything glamorous, but I made it beautiful. Like I made it a nice home for us. And I really wanted to kind of pay that forward. And they just like, you know, I don't know. Maybe they hit some hard times. They didn't tell me. They just like literally up. Left. I've never experienced that. They literally just up and left and they left their ish all over. It was a mess there. And so that on top of just like, I guess like the emotions, like all the memories yeah. come flooding back. And that was a really uh, tough trip because also, you know, Doug was with me. And so, yeah, that was that, that still like almost gets me like almost like emotional. It's just like a lot to yeah. swallow. It was a lot you know, a lot happening in a short amount of time. <laughs> Do you remember a distinct moment where you thought, okay, this will actually work. I could love this guy. So funny you should ask that because so for, so it was literally after I brought him home to my trailer, he got, you know, he like hung out with my family for the first time and he kind of got, got to know like them for real. And so we're driving back from upstate and just like literally like feeling like, like I'm falling in love. Like, I don't know, like the, like just like those butterflies and that chemistry. And I was like, he's such a, he was so patient and loving with me. Like I, when we were back at the, you know, at my trailer, I couldn't, I couldn't even really express how I was feeling. I was just crying and I felt silly and he didn't even ask me. Like he didn't even push me. He was just like, you know, okay. You know, you want to, you want to stay here? You want to leave? Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, let's just go. And he was like, okay. You know, like didn't like push for 
like, what's going on? Or, you know, I don't know. He was just so patient. So then we get back, you know, the, everything's great. And he goes to park the car in the garage. Mm-hmm. And I have the dog in our suitcases and I bring it into our, ho- or our um, home. We were living in Harlem at the time. And he was gone for a really long time. So I was like messaging him like, you know, what's going on? And he, I mean, it was like a half hour, I felt like. So he probably had to go. I don't know. I'm thinking now, like, what well, I don't know. I still don't know what took him so long, but yeah. he smoked a cigarette and he, like, one of my deal breakers was like, I didn't want to be with someone who smoked a cigarette. So, and I was like, if I get to choose, I don't want a man that smokes cigarettes. So he comes back and, like, we kiss and I could taste it in his mm. mouth. And I was like, did you just smoke a cigarette? He's like, no. Oh, I walked through a cloud of smoke. Maybe that's it. And I was like, I'm not dumb. I was like, what? And so then from there, I was like, I don't, he could have said he ate something. I mean, I probably would have believed that more than he walked through a cloud of smoke. I walked through a cloud. And so I was like, uh, it just, yeah. So I was just kind of like, what? And he just, like, the lies just continued. And I knew for sure he was lying. He's a terrible liar. And so like his eyes would like go right. to the side and he's just a terrible liar. And, and that really was crushing because I was like, wow, this man like just loves me mm-hmm. and accepts me and my family. And he knows where I'm from and he still loves me and accepts me. And this is amazing all the way to like that quote unquote first red flag. And I'd be done with the dude. And so that was like my first red flag with him. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to deal with this. Like, don't, if you're going to lie to me about smoking a cigarette, I mean, it, and not, not that he, like, he literally was like, I swear in my mom's life, I didn't smoke a cigarette. Like, the most cheesiest, like, juvenile excuses. And I was like, I have no time in my life for you. Like, done. Like, this, I'm over it. And so, of course, it comes out to look like I'm just so mad that he smoked a cigarette. When really, it wasn't, just, it was the lying that really bothered me. Because I was like, if he's going to lie that intensely over smoking a cigarette, then what else? Well, what about the day that you stay married or get divorced? Yeah. Did you question what he was going to do at all? I knew for sure that he was smitten with me, um, which sounds like maybe cocky or something. And I'm not saying it at all in a cocky way. I just knew that like we had so many good times throughout our experiment. It's a six, it was a six weeks, six week process for us at the time. And I knew that he was smitten with me. I knew that he was trying to kind of like win my trust back. And so I was pretty confident that he was going to say yes. Um, But I was still kind of like, 50-50 50-50 and the only thing that really made me say yes was that I genuinely wanted marriage and I knew that we had it wasn't like we had no chemistry or you know like we yeah. I was starting to have those feelings for him and I told myself before this ever happened like I had been on The Bachelor before so I know that the pressure that comes with like cameras and producers mm-hmm. and all that so fortunately I had that because I think that if I hadn't had that experience I probably I just don't know if I would have stuck it out because I wouldn't have had the the knowledge to know that like give us some time away from the cameras, like, like the real life. So I feel like that was like a mixed blessing for me that I, I it was actually an amazing thing that I wanted the bachelor first, because it like, the st- like just like having the experience around the cameras and being able to be yourself on camera. It's not, it's not as easy as you might think it. So maybe you didn't feel like you were in love until after. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like we didn't have sex during our, we didn't have, we were married for two months, two and a half months really before we ever like consummated our marriage we, I, we didn't say I love you for six months because 
I don't know. I just didn't want to like, I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm not going to pretend like everything's great. If it's not like, this is my real life and right. his real life. And just cause it's a TV show, I'm not going to give them if they, if that's what they want. Cause of course they're like, are you going to consummate your marriage? Are you going to have sex? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it till I'm ready. Like, and I'm not ready right now. So, and Doug was, like I said, like, so patient. So you wrote Wifey 101, your book, yes. which is all about kind of fumbling through marriage. It's quite funny. Yeah. But we had a lot of questions about whether you're writing a second book or not. Yeah, I am. I'm actually, it's been so hard because I, my life has, so now I host the show for Married at First Sight Unfiltered. And I do a lot of, a lot of work that requires traveling as far as like hosting mm-hmm. goes and which I love. I absolutely love it. It's like, a dream career for mm-hmm. me. It's just amazing. It's so much fun and I love it, but I just, I haven't been able to dedicate the time for this second book. And I've, I've had it planned for a long time and I have a proposal out with an agent and she's like, kind of like pushing, she's like, come on girl, like, let's get this going. But like this book is going to be very, very personal and, uh, share like a lot of, um, a lot of my truths when it comes to pregnancy and becoming a parent mm-hmm. and, um, pregnancy loss, you know, my husband and I had our firstborn son, we lost him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I don't want to be rushed during this process. And so it's taken me a lot longer, you know, if it was just any light, like if it was about married at first sight or something, like I could whip it out because yeah, but this is so deep and so meaningful. And I'm hoping that it'll be, I want it to be a tool for women who have experienced things that I have as well. You have your baby Henley, you call your, your rainbow baby and she's adorable. And, and you've, you've talked about how you're struggling to conceive number two, correct? Yeah. So we've, we decided we wanted to start trying. I wanted, I would have wanted to start like immediately, but I was, I, I wanted to also nurse her for a year. And when you're nursing, I didn't even have my period for like 10 months. So um, I heard that you could potentially get pregnant while nursing. So like we still tried, but then I wasn't too surprised that we weren't getting pregnant because I was nursing her. But at the year mark, we're like, okay, like we're ready. Like I'm not, I, that was my goal for nursing. Now we're done nursing mm-hmm. and which hallelujah, hallelujah to any mamas who can make it any further than that. But, um, yeah, so at, like about, about, I don't know, a year ago, well, you know, like I said, we were trying before, so it wasn't too surprising that we didn't get pregnant, but now a year we've been pregnant twice and lost both those pregnancies. And now it's since the last time I've been pregnant, it's been almost six months. And so I'm like, why aren't, you know, it's just, it's crazy. I thought that I would be able to, you know, I don't know if any woman ever anticipates having these type of troubles when they're, when they want to become a mother, you know, but I, I'm going to go see a specialist soon and see like if there's anything I can do to help myself. But, um, I don't know. I feel like this is, might be my month, though. I don't know why I'm telling everybody, the whole world, that I think that I'm going to get pregnant this month. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Everyone was writing in, just sending love and and Aww, and everything. You so all. you had you had lots of people sending you yeah, love you. and and that. pregnancy vibes and yay and and Send saying that they're so sorry, obviously for for the trouble. Yeah. No. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. But I'm sure you've kind of developed a really beautiful tribe of women and you can relate yeah. and you know yeah you know what's wild is that you think when you go through a loss like that like you just instantly think like family and friends are the people to go to for support but they don't necessarily get it because they haven't been through it or they went through it you know eons ago and maybe aren't in touch with that type of feeling and so I really felt very alone you know mostly like when we, I delivered Jonathan at 17 weeks. So like I'm holding my baby that never was able to grow. And so it was just like 
so traumatic and so I bet I don't know it was just it was a real rough time and and I found that like they're really the people didn't know what to say they felt awkward they didn't really want you to bring it up not because they don't love you or care about you but because they don't know what to say they don't know how to comfort you and so it was just like it was really difficult to cope and my only I felt like my only way to cope was to just blog and I blogged like like almost every day really and I don't even really blog anymore because it's almost like I use it as my outlet for like therapy like I just didn't know where else to turn and what I found like most helpful was that women would write back to me on Instagram Mm. or Facebook or through my blog or they would email me and they would share their stories and it just I was like oh my god like I'm not the only one that's ever gone through this and I you know like and people have gone through so many like so much worse really like delivering a stillborn you know they have a nursery set up I mean it's it's just sad to think that one in four women go through this as some sort of a loss and we none of us talk about it because it's so taboo and then we all feel alone and get so depressed and it's like man we should really and that's what the the majority of my book not the majority but a, a, a big portion of my book is definitely going to touch on that and honestly it's going to be not only just for the woman who suffered a loss but for her family and friends like what do you say like how can you comfort a woman how have you and doug supported each other through all this because you did post that you know a lot of this would leave couples in a in a really rough state and you guys are still happy and still in love how did how have y'all done yeah well like I was saying before, like it has not always been rainbows and sunshine for us. And that was a very dark period of our relationship, but, um, but not because of, but like, I can't, I, I, I don't want to say like dark, mm-hmm. like we were fighting or anything like that, but it was very confusing for both of us. I wondered if I did anything wrong. I was wondering if he thought that I did anything wrong. I was traveling a lot for work. And so my, my doctor said it was fine. And so but I had this, I had like so much, you just, you have so much guilt. Like you wonder like what on earth. And then I inevitably wondered if he thought that. And but he definitely, like, you know, just reassured me that he didn't, like he wasn't blaming me and it wasn't my fault. And I think also your hormones are so out of whack yeah. that you just think crazy things at that point. But I think the only thing that has always just kind of made us through it, it, like through any of these hard times is really just like patience and trying to understand each other. Because when, when I, after the day after I delivered him, Jonathan, our, our firstborn son, my husband went to work and I was like, I don't know. I was like, does this not matter? Do you, like, I don't know. We just got in a, a bit of a heated discussion because I was like, uh, I'm like, I can't even get off the couch. Like, I can't even like breathe basically. And you're just at work. Like what? And I think, and, and it really taught me a lot about him. And I feel like, I don't know. And this is the other thing I want to be able to share with other women is that like, if their partner doesn't cope the same way as they do, it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect them or that they're like heartless. He didn't know what to do. And so for him, his best coping mechanism was to just go back to the normal routine and just like busy himself. For me, I was like, I can't even try to busy myself because I can't even like function, you know? And so, but that doesn't make my way or his way right or wrong. It's just how we dealt with it. Let's end it on shouting out your Instagram handle, your podcast information, all that stuff. Okay, cool. So I am at Jamie and Otis on Instagram. It's Jamie and Otis on Twitter and Jamie and Otis on Facebook as well. And my website is jamieotis.com where you can find like blogs on loss and whatnot uh, and married at first sight. I blog about that as well. And then our podcast, my husband and I have a podcast where we keep it light but sometimes we talk about important things but it's hot marriage cool parents and we have an instagram page hot marriage cool parents for that as well you guys are so fun i'm so glad you 
have stayed together. Oh, thank you. Because I watched y'all. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, of course. That was like, I loved that show. I mean, when I met Courtney and Jason, I was like freaking out. Almost peed myself. Aww. Yeah. Do you watch it now or now? I feel like season one was the best season. I don't know. That's what everyone says. Yeah. yeah. I tried. I tried season two and it was okay, but. Yeah, season two was a doozy though. You pro- That's like. That was a doozy. No joke, truly, because I've been on The Bachelor and been on Married at First Sight. And I can only talk from my own experience of Married at First Sight, which was season one. So that's now nearly 10 seasons ago. We're on season nine now. Um, it's not, it's not, it's truly not about the drama. Like, it's almost like they don't, I mean, you can't make this ish up. It is a good show. It's coming back on. Not. I'll give them a little plug. It's uh, on Lifetime and it's starts at 8.30, I believe, is when Married at First Sight Unfiltered's on, mm-hmm. and then Married at First Sight, which I host, so of course I want you to watch it. <laughs> well, thank you for chatting with me. I had the best time ever. Yeah, no, thank you so that much. So I'm, I'm like a little talker, so I'm, so thanks for listening. <laughs> I love a talker. It's the best. Well, get yeah. back to your day. Get out of your hot car. She's been sitting in her car, by the way, in a vacant yeah, parking lot as we talk. So <laughs> yeah. Get back to an AC, and I will uh, talk to you soon, okay? Bye, hun. All right, bye. <laughs> 